bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otobu. And now, today's word. So I'm going to continue my series on life in the spirit. Life in the spirit. And this is a very important teaching. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about uh, the spirit and the soul last week. We've talked about the fact that man is a spirit being. And we've looked at various aspects of who the spirit is and who the soul is. We've looked at the body. And, and now we're going to go a little further to try and identify the spirit a little better. Uh, the spirit man a little better. So my subtitle for part three is the spirit man, the spirit man and the life uh, in the spirit. I know uh, people sometimes in this uh, uh, gender sensitive era, when you say spirit man, uh, some ladies are going to say, what about spirit woman? Well, I, you know, I don't really care whether it's spirit woman or spirit man, but we have to use one. Uh, and so we say spirit man, and, and it includes everybody, male and female. Uh, it's spirit woman too, uh, but it's spirit man. So let's just be comfortable with the terminology and just work with it. The spirit man. Who is the spirit man? When we say that there is a spirit in man, who is that spirit? Is it just air? Is it just uh, an essence? Is it just a feeling? Is it a mindset? Uh, is it a mentality? What, what is it when we talk about the spirit? And so we're going to look at two major experiences in the New Testament. And then I would, I would on the back of that, give some explanation to give us uh, some light on who the spirit man is. So we start first with 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and to 4, 2 to 4. And this is the apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And I want us to pay attention to the statement he makes here. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and had inexplicable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul is talking about something uh, he calls an experience. And in talking about that experience, he talks about a man. He says, I know a man. And please take note of the word he's using. I know a man. I know a man. Now, generally, uh, Bible theologians and scholars all agree that Paul is talking about himself. But he's speaking in the third person. And because he's speaking in the third person, you may get the impression that he's talking about somebody else. But he's actually talking about himself. I know a man. Take note. I know a man. And then... Uh, if you look at the tense uh, he speaks in, 
it is a perfect tense. A perfect tense. I know a man. Basically, it is like saying, I, I knew a man and still know the man. So it's, it's a perfect tense. I know a man. It's not past. It's not future. It is something that has happened and continues to happen. And so this experience with this person is a real experience. And he says that he had this experience 14 years prior to when he's writing Second Corinthians. And uh, if you place it well, uh, depending on how the dating goes, it will be somewhere around the beginning of Paul's mission at the first missionary journey or just after that. Uh, that's when he, he's in the church in Antioch around Acts 13 or just after that, somewhere around Acts 15 when he goes to the council of Jerusalem. So that's the, the time when this experience is taking place. I know a man. Then he describes the man and he says the man is in Christ. The man is in Christ. So this man he's talking about is a man who is in Christ. That means that he's spiritually connected to Christ. Of course, our bodies are not in Christ. It's our spirits that are in Christ. So this is a spiritual experience. This man in Christ is talking about a spiritual experience because at the time Paul is speaking, Jesus has already died. He has resurrected. He has ascended to the Father. There is no way for Paul to have a physical experience of Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual experience. So this man in Christ instantly tells you that this man is a spirit person, a man in Christ. Then uh, he says something else about the man in Christ. And it's a very interesting one. He says the man was caught up, caught up. This man in Christ is caught up. And, uh, and it's a very interesting phrase. Uh, it means he was transported from the physical realm to the spiritual realm. It's a phrase that, a phrase that is used in Acts chapter eight, uh, verse 39 to describe Philip's experience of being instantly transported from one place to the other. So it's a transportation, uh, spiritual transportation statement caught up. It is also used in first Thessalonians chapter four, Verse 17, talking about what Christians generally de describe as the rapture, to be caught up. So this is to be transported. Transported. So he says that this man in Christ, spiritual being, is transported. He's caught up. So who is this man in Christ? We know he's a spirit and we'll, we'll identify him a little Further, he says a man is transported. The word transport comes from two words, trans and port. What is trans? Trans means to go across something, to go across. And port means gate or door. So, so to be transported is to go through a gate or through a door or to be moved from one place to the other, as we normally understand it when we say we're taking transport, we've moved from one place to the other. But in a real sense, it means to move through gates, to move through dimensions or through gates. So this man is caught up. He's transported. And the third thing Paul says about this man that is transported is that he's transported to the third heavens. Third heavens. 
third heavens. So this is the only time that this phrase is used in, in, uh, in the New Testament, third heavens, uh, which Paul later also describes as paradise. Now, normally the phrase third heavens is, uh, used to describe the heavens of God's abode. The heavens of God's abode. So this man in Christ spirit transported to God's abode. That's the experience he's talking about. Now, many times when we talk about God's abode and heaven, uh, we are thinking about a geographical distance, um, that you, you move, uh, Somewhere out there, you know, as a young Christian, there used to be a chorus we used to sing sometime, I think in the 70s. And it says, somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust and obey him. Somewhere in outer space. Heaven is not in outer space. It's not in outer space. It's a dimension. It's a moving through ports. It's a moving through doors. So uh, Paul says, I had this experience and I'm transported. I go through a door. And I'm in a totally different dimension. And this dimension, he calls it the third heaven. And he calls it uh, uh, paradise as well. You know, as a, as a young uh, boy, I think around age uh, 12 or 13, uh, I understood heaven as a dimension and not a location. Because I read a, uh, a children's book written by uh, the great uh, Christian apologist C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis uh, wrote the series of children's book called The Chronicles of Narnia about some kids who used to have an, an experience. And he's he's teaching spiritual things to kids. but And so he's using fantasy uh, to teach about uh, heaven and Christ as redeemer and so on. And, and But what happens is these kids enter a wardrobe in their home and instantly they are in a timeless era where they have an experience. And when they come back, Time has not gone. And, and so I, I read that I think around age 12 or 13. Of course, when I grew up, I made sure that all my kids will read the Chronicles of Narnia to understand the spiritual world and how it works. It's not a third heaven in terms of going, you go through the solar system, go beyond uh, uh, Jupiter and go and go and go and then somewhere, whoo, you find heaven. No, heaven is around us. It's a dimension that is in existence that we can be transported in and out almost instantly. And that's the experience that Paul says he has. But the person having the experience is this man that Paul is talking about. And what is unique about this man? Because Paul uses a phrase twice. And I have taught here uh, that when we read the scripture and we see a repetition of phrases or sentences, we have to pay attention because emphasis is being made. And Paul uses the phrase, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he repeats it, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. So this man has an experience. Paul says, I can't really tell whether it's an experience in the body or out of the body. Uh, Only God knows. Now, why does he say that? He's saying that the experience he had, this man had, is so real that it looks like 
a physical experience. It looks like something that has happened to him physically, like somebody pinching you because he can't tell whether uh, it's just my spirit having it. Is my body also having it? Did my body go to, to the third heaven? It's so real to him. And that's what this experience is. It's not just like your body left your, your, your something left you and went to have an experience and, and, and then you came to enter your body back. He says, it's so real that it looked like my whole being, my whole person had that experience. But if you analyze the statement, this man, therefore, is his spirit having the exper- experience, not his body. His body cannot be in the third heavens. His body was not transported and his body is not in Christ. The one who is in Christ is his spirit. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The person who is in Christ, it's not your body. It's not your body in Christ. It's your spirit, which is in Christ. So note Paul's experience. Because Paul is not the only one who has this experience that helps us to understand who the Spirit is. John, the apostle, also has a similar experience. And John, the apostle, uh, documents his experience in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. This is just at the beginning of the book of Revelation. And this is what John says. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Theatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The person speaking is John. John says, I'm the one writing this. I'm the one talking about this experience. Just like Paul talks about, I know a man. This is John. And what is John saying? John says, I'm on the island of Patmos. On the island. So, if you ask people, where is John? They'll say, he's on the island. Why? Because we can physically see him on the island. His body is on the island. The guards know he's on the island because he's been exiled there as a prisoner. And there are prison guards who know that John is in Patmos. He's on the island. If the supervisor asks, where is John? They say, he's in our island. How do we know? We see him. John is on the island. So Paul, John says, I was on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled. He's a prisoner. There are other prisoners with him. On the island of Patmos. So we can say that physically John is on the island. His body is there as proof that he's there. It's like you are in church today. Your body is here to prove that you are here. I am here, but my body is not here. My body is somewhere else, but I recorded this 
teaching ahead of time. So I'm not physically present in the church. However, John is physically present in on the island of Patmos. He's present there. Then he uses introduces another phrase. He says, I was in the spirit. So which part is in the spirit? His spirit. Because if you look at your Bible, the spirit there uh, is spelled with a capital S. And that talks about the Holy Spirit. So he says, I was in the Holy Spirit. I was in the Holy Spirit. His body definitely is not the one in the Holy Spirit. The one who is in the Holy Spirit is his spirit. And he says, so John has a, an experience similar to what Paul has. Paul says he was caught away, but John doesn't say that. He says, I was on the island. I was uh, in prison on the island. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And then he said, I had a trumpet, the sound of a trumpet behind me. Now, if, so if you listen to what John is saying, he says, I have this experience. It's as if I'm just in the, in the, in the island. I'm there as a person. I'm alive. My, my faculties are working and I hear a sound behind me. It sounds like a trumpet. And when I tend to see the sound, all of a sudden I'm hearing a voice saying, I am the alpha and the omega. He's right there having a spiritual experience right there. His body is there. And if they are prisoners, they are watching him. They don't even know what is happening to him. He looks like a normal human being sitting down. But at the same time, his spirit is having an experience that his body is not having on the island. So, John, body on the island, his spirit is in the Holy Spirit. Both of them have an experience. And both of them have an experience involving their spirit. So just looking at these two experiences, you see that the spirit is not air. Onam That's The spirit is not air. The spirit is not gas. The spirit is not some... Unknown essence moving nebulously somewhere. The spirit is a reality. When we say that there is a spirit in man, we don't mean air is in man. That would be the breath. That would be soul. But when we say spirit is in man, it's not just a breathing mechanism. It's a, a reality that is connected to a dimension that is not physical. So that in the spirit realm, a person's spirit can contact the spirit realm. And I say spirit realm, I'm not saying necessarily the spirit of God. Next week, I'm going to deal a bit with that. The states of the spirit man. Because the spirit man is not in the same state with everybody at the same time. And we'll look at that next week. But this spirit man can have an experience. And with both Paul and John, they say, we heard something. They didn't hear it physically, but they said, we heard something. We saw something. 
And not only that, we remembered what we heard and saw. So although it's a spiritual experience, the soul, the mind, recollected what the spirit has experienced. And their body responded to it because they wrote it with their body. So that's a very interesting thing that, like I've been saying, when although we're talking about spirit, soul, and body, we don't have to see them as different entities because God wants us to worship him as a whole, as a totality. So John and Paul have this experience. So what is the spirit like? Romans chapter 7, verse 27. Romans 7, verse 27. And it says, for I delight in the law of the Lord in my inward man. So I want you to take note of that. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Everybody say inward man. Inward man. Now, if there is an inward man, then there is an outward man. What does the word mean? It means to be inside, to be inside, to be within, or interior. Something that is interior. Something that goes deep within. So, Paul is saying there is an a man. This man is an inward man. What does it mean? He's within. He's within. He's inside. He's interior. So the spirit man is a man, but he's an inward man. He's an inward man, an interior man, a man within. Then First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. It is talking about uh, dressing uh, in, the, in the early church. And, and where the true righteousness of the people should be uh, uh, seen. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. He didn't say, don't do it. He says, don't let that only be your adornment. But let it be, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. It's an interesting word. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Three words there. Hidden, person, heart, and spirit. Hidden, person. The old King James says, hidden man of the heart, but hidden person. I think the ladies like person better. Hidden. So, what we call spirit... The spirit of a person is an inward person and is a hidden person. What does it mean to be hidden? It means he is secret and concealed. Secret, concealed. That's one of the reasons why it's difficult to find the spirit. He's a man. Paul had an experience with him. John had an experience with him. Why is, don't we have an experience with him every day and, and identify? Because he's an inward man. 
And so if you are an outward person, always looking at things from an external point of view, you're going to miss him. And not only that, he is a hidden person. He's concealed and secret. Now, if that something is hidden does not mean it doesn't exist. If I take this pen and I hide it, it's hidden. You can't see it, but it exists. It is there. It exists, but you can't see it. And then it can be revealed. So this hidden person is in you. And for most of you, he's been in you, but you've never encountered him really for you to say, wow, I just got in touch with this. Because he's hidden, he's concealed, he's secret, he's interior, he's within. But we must know this spirit. Romans chapter 2 verse 29 says, But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. He is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. The inward or inner person or hidden person is also called by two other names. He's called spirit and he's called heart. So inward person, inner And it says, and the inner person, similar to inward, inward, inner, hidden. That's the spirit. And this inner person is called spirit. He's called spirit. Now, why is he called spirit? Because he's not material. He cannot be physically touched or seen. You, you may, you may never get in touch with him if all your reality is physical. He's not physical. He's not material. He's a person, but we can't see him with our physical eyes. In other words, I can't go around work, working with you naturally to say, I see your spirit or I see, she sees your spirit or, 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 or and so and so forth because he's hidden. And God designed the spirit to be hidden from view because that's image. If something happens there, the human being is crushed. It's very important. So the spirit is always protected. His spirit, because he's not material, he's not physical. And not only that, the spirit is also called the heart, the heart. We Saw that earlier. Why is the spirit called the heart? Because he's the core of your being. The core, the center. When you're speaking normal English and you say, the heart of the matter is. Doesn't mean that the matter has got a heart beating. Uh, uh, or we say, this is the heart of Ghana. Uh, it doesn't mean that you go and find uh, an organ heart there. No, it means this is the core of it this is the meat this is the center this is this is it so if you're talking about the human being this is it the heart the core of the human being is the spirit the human being at the core 
that which will be judged, that which God deals with ultimately is the spirit. Not the flesh, not just the soul, but the spirit. That's what God is dealing with. That's what he put into us. Image. So this heart or this spirit, this inner person, this hidden person, that outward person can have an experience separate from your physical experiences. And that experience can be so real that you may think, wow, I don't even know whether it's my spirit or my body. I can't tell the difference because it's so real to me. And that's where God wants to take us, that we're going to have experiences with him as we worship him, experiences with him as we pray, experiences with him as we walk in holiness, experiences with him as we read the Bible, that those experiences will transport us from one place to the other. Those experiences will link you up to the dimension of heaven, to the God dimension. And and it comes through spiritual discipline. It comes through dedication. It comes through our bodies subject to to righteousness, our minds renewed by the word of God, and our spirit has a free course in communicating and working with us. So that our experiences most of the time will be experiences of the spirit. The spirit man now has a mind, a soul that is renewed that he can work with and a body that is submitted to righteousness that he can work with. When that happens, it's going to be like the vision of Jacob where he sees a ladder between where he's lying and heaven and he sees angels ascending and descending. In other words, the heavenly dimension and the earth dimension now has a link That is a mind that is renewed, a soul that is renewed. There is a real link and there is constant communication between the God realm and the physical realm. But the spirit can also contact other spirits. And when that happens, similar to what John had and similar to what Paul had, A person can have the same experiences, similar with the spirit, the hidden person, the inner person, the inward person, but it will not be of God. Because this same spirit can also contact the dark world, the demonic world, the satanic world. Just like these people have a divine experience, that same spirit can contact the other worlds. Next week, I will try... uh, to go a little there. I wouldn't go further uh, next week, but I would do something like an introduction to the state of the spirit and, and what the spirit will be connected to or can be connected to. And, and then we can know, uh, it, it helps us to judge our experiences well, but more than that, to also protect our spirits from contamination and our spirits from contacting stuff that is not of God or people are introducing us to spiritual experiences that are not of God. Because if that happens, your spirit is in mortal danger, is in, is in jeopardy. Uh, and we have to protect our spirit, protect our minds, protect our thoughts. And how do we do that? By the shield of faith, which is the word of God, raised in defense against every attack of a thought 
that is not of God. So we can stop those thoughts from coming into us because they can hit uh, the hidden man of the heart. So the spirit is not just air floating in the air uh, out there. The spirit is not just something you feel, but the spirit is a real man, a real reality that is hidden, that is a person, that is inward, that is secret, but is real. And he can be transported in experiences. And may the Lord give us supernatural experiences of his glory as, as we learn to walk in the spirit and walk in the life of the spirit. Let's just get up and let's just honor the Lord. As we learned uh, last week, we have to learn to love the Lord and worship him with our spirit, with our souls, with our bodies. Lift up your hands to heaven and begin to just worship the Lord and thank him. And just thank him that he, he, he can contact you anytime through your spirit. Just thank him for his presence. Thank him for his word. Thank him for the beauty of holiness. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his grace. For his grace is sufficient for us. For the word of the Lord is active in our lives. And because of that, no weapon of the enemy contaminates our minds. We bring ourselves under full subjection to the word of God. We bring our bodies in subjection to holiness and to righteousness. So the enemy cannot permeate our spirits and contaminate our spirits. We, we, we set our minds on course. So our spirits will only always be in touch with the spirit of God. So, Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we praise you and we honor you. We adore you. Thank you, Lord, for the experience of your spirit. And help us, Lord, to encounter you at a deeper level. In this season of our lives, let the supernatural be so real to us that, like Paul, we can say, I don't know whether in the body or outside the body, but I had this phenomenal experience in the presence of the Lord. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody give the Lord praise and everybody thank the Lord. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otobi, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otobi. Email otobi at centralgospel.com or call plus 233 302 688 000